The scripture for tonight is from Matthew 26, 14 through 35. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. The wrong guests can ruin a party. The wrong guests can ruin a dinner party. And I assume that's why I don't get many invitations to dinner. Who does Jesus invite to dinner? 
the timing of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover is purposeful and is planned. And who does Jesus invite to share this meal with him? The Passover Seder meal celebrated Israel's exodus from Egypt. And the meal was designed not just as a menu, but as a memorial. It wasn't just for refreshment. The meal was for remembrance. And as such, the Seder meal followed a very strict script. However, partway through the meal that night, Jesus went completely off script. Now, as part of the Seder, the head of the household, who would have been reclining there at the table, would sit up and he would bless or give thanks for the bread using the words of the Passover liturgy. This is the bread of affliction which our ancestors ate when they came from the land of Egypt. However, Matthew 26.26 records that Jesus said, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Friends, what Jesus did here would have been shocking. He co-opted the Passover feast. He reinterpreted the elements of the bread in a completely new way. And he didn't stop there. During the Seder, the third cup after the meal that was drunk was the cup of blessing. The cup of blessing. And instead of the traditional blessing, Jesus offered a new meaning in verses 27 and 28. It says he took the cup when he'd given thanks, when he blessed it. He said to them, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. This is my blood of the covenant. Now compare those words to when Moses, when through Moses, the Lord instituted the old covenant in Exodus 24.8. Moses took the blood, threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Both declaring the blood of the covenant. So this familiar Passover meal which commemorated the Lord's deliverance from Egypt and the covenant that the Lord made with his people, Jesus comes and co-opts it. He repurposes it to make it a remembrance of what he says is going to be a new covenant that he's about to establish by shedding his own blood. Friends, what Jesus did at the meal is utterly unthinkable if he is not who he claimed to be. If Jesus is not who he claimed to be, what he did is unthinkable because the Passover remembrance was instituted and commanded by the Lord himself. Friends, the only one who has the right to change what God has instituted and commanded is God. And here we witness Jesus usurp this celebration, have the audacity to make it all about himself. He's declaring that he's about to accomplish an even greater Passover through his broken body. He's about to establish a new covenant by his blood. And friends, if Jesus is not God, then Jesus didn't have the authority to change the remembrance that was instituted by God himself. If Jesus is not God, he doesn't have the ability to accomplish a greater Passover than the Passover that the Lord has accomplished for His people. If Jesus is not God, then He is a liar. 
because he doesn't have the right to establish a new covenant, a new relationship between God and humanity. And friends, I make this point because some of you here, some of you who are watching online, you might be just considering who Jesus is. You might be ready to accept him as a great teacher, but as nothing more. However, friends, statements like this put you and put all of us in a dilemma. Because we cannot call a man who says such things a great teacher. If he was not who he said he was, we cannot call him a great teacher. Any man who has the audacity to come and change a God-commanded religious ceremony and make it all about himself, any man who comes to and it claims to establish a new covenant relationship between God and humanity? Friends, that man, if he's just a man, is not a great teacher. He's a megalomaniac. He's a madman. Unless Jesus is who he claims to be. God himself, more than a man, then what he did is utterly unthinkable. So, friends, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I promise you that the answer to that question is the most important answer that you'll ever give. It's the most important question that you will ever consider. Who is Jesus? Because if he is not truly God himself, come in the flesh, then he had no right to do what he did. But friends, if he is, if he is who he claimed to be, God in the flesh, come to establish a new covenant, a new relationship between God and humanity, then friends, what stops you from receiving him? Who do you believe Jesus is? We've considered the host and the meal that he set, but I want to take a minute for us to consider the guests. They were at the table that night. Because you might wonder, is there room at the table for me? Is there room at the table that he's setting for me? Friends, who did Jesus invite to receive this new meal? The good news, the gospel, the good news is that this table was populated with people like us. Because we find that that night the table was set for traitors and for turncoats and for the timid. Right at the very beginning of tonight's reading that Mary read for us, we heard that Judas was a traitor. Verse 15 says that he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's the price of a slave. And it's a mere pittance for the treachery that he was going to commit. This was a man who had journeyed with Jesus for years. He had witnessed Jesus' miracles. He had been sent out two by two with the other disciples and performed miracles and proclaimed the power of Jesus Christ. He was someone who many times had shared a meal with Jesus. And that night was no exception. In ver- Jesus says in verse 23, He says, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. Friends, at the Passover meal, as most meals, there would have been a bowl of charaset, which is a fruit paste, in which the bread and the herb would have been dipped. And in the culture of the ancient Near East, to eat with a person, to, to literally break bread with them, and to share and to dip into the same bowl was tantamount to saying, I am your friend. You can trust me. 
So Jesus' words that night purposefully echo Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my close friend whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Judas, who had eaten with him many times and ate with him at the meal that night, would betray him. And worst of all, how did he betray him? Friends, we know that Judas ultimately betrayed Jesus with an act of friendship, with a kiss. One poet asks about this kiss and he said, Why did it have to be a friend who chose to betray the Lord? And why did he use a kiss to show them? That's not what a kiss is for. Only a friend can betray a friend. A stranger has nothing to gain. And only a friend comes close enough to ever cause so much pain. Judas was a traitor. And he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Now, many have speculated, what were Judas' motives? I mean, what were his motives in betraying Jesus? What was Judas' end game? Was it a political agenda that Jesus refused to advance? Was it a position of power and honor in Jesus' kingdom that Judas came to realize Jesus wasn't about to provide him? Maybe Judas was just looking to make a quick buck since Jesus spent most of his time broke. Friends, we don't know. But I promise you that any time, Anytime Jesus becomes a means to an end, we stand poised to betray him. Anytime Jesus becomes for us a means to an end, we stand poised to betray him too. As one Christian musician put it, Judas, don't you come too close. I fear that I might see the traitor's look upon your face might look too much like me. Because just like you, I've sold the Lord and often for much less. And like a wretched traitor, I betrayed him with a kiss. Friends, anytime Jesus becomes for us a means to an end, the means to get what we want, we stand poised to betray him. Because what happens when Jesus fails to advance your agenda? What happens when he fails to build your reputation? What happens when he fails to fill your bank account? What happens when he fails to answer your prayer the way you want? What happens when he fails to heal your sickness? Friends, we can sit here tonight and point all the fingers we want at Judas. However, every one of us is a traitor in waiting. Willing to betray him, to advance ourselves. Turning on him when he no longer serves our purposes. If and when we decide that what he offers is not enough. Or not what we want. We'll trade him for 30 pieces of silver, though often for much less. We'll betray Jesus in exchange for the temporary esteem of the crowd. We'll turn him over to be mercilessly flogged by the kangaroo court of public opinion while we silently stand by. We'll deny and crucify him if he doesn't answer our prayers and serve our purposes as we think he should. The traitor's look on Judas' face, it seems so much like me. Friends, the traitor Judas, the traitor Judas was invited to the table then. And the gospel is that you too are invited to the table tonight. For traitors who are ready now to admit their treachery are welcome to be forgiven at the table. Penitent penitent betrayers can come and break bread with Jesus. And not just the traitors, but the turncoats. Because at that table that night was the turncoat Peter, 
Turncoat is a word that was coined in the 1500s from the words turn and coat. Because literally it was someone who would turn their coat inside out to hide the badge of their party or their leader, to hide which side they were on, to hide where their allegiance lay, to hide which team they played for. And that's what Peter did. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew it. As Mary read for us in verses 34 and 35, Jesus said to Peter, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me. Three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I'll not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Friends, later on in this chapter, if we had kept reading, we would hear Peter literally call down curses upon himself, swearing oaths, May I be cursed. I do not know that man. Peter was a turncoat. And Jesus knew it before it happened. And yet Jesus invited him to the meal. Friends, what does Jesus know about us? It's easy to point fingers at Peter tonight. But how often have you been ashamed, embarrassed, afraid to stand with Jesus? How often have you and I turned our coats and hid our allegiance for fear of offending, for fear of ridicule, for fear of persecution? Jesus declared in Luke 9, verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Church, who do we fear? Who do you fear? If you fear the crowd, if you fear suffering, if you fear embarrassment, if you fear persecution, if you fear being on the wrong side of history, if you fear ridicule, if you fear death, if you fear these things more than you fear abandoning and betraying Jesus, when the going gets tough, you too will turn coat and run. Church, we come again to the table. We come tonight to remember the gospel. The good news that Jesus unashamedly went to the cross and died for all of us ashamed turncoats. And just as Jesus was not ashamed to invite his first turncoat disciples to the table, he now invites you and I to come to the table and find his grace. And not only that, but to find again our courage. To find again our courage. Church, we all need both grace and we need courage. And so did the rest of the disciples who, those that were not outright traitors or turncoats, they were at very best timid. At very best they were timid. Beside Judas and Peter, remember, when Peter made his boast, it says in verse 35, all the other disciples said the same. However, in the section immediately following what Mary read for us tonight, Jesus invites his disciples to come and pray with him. He lets his disciples know. He says, this is my hardest and my greatest hour. And he pleads with them, please help me and pray with me. And what do they do? They take a nap. They can't even pray faithfully with Jesus for one hour. And then when things go from bad to worse, and a mob shows up to seize Jesus, verse 56 tells us, all the disciples left him and fled. They're too timid and too weak just to watch with him for an hour as he prays. 
the disciples are too timid and too weak to stand with him in his hour of greatest need. And instead, the timid disciples desert him. And friends, before we become hard on these timid and weak disciples, take stock of your own life. Have we not also on our own timidity failed Jesus? Have we not in our weakness failed to keep watch with him? Failed to follow him into danger and into discomfort? Failed to obey him to the uttermost? Church, understand, Jesus does not invite to the table that we come to tonight only the strong. Jesus' body was not broken for those who have it all together. Jesus' blood was not shed for the perfectly faithful. Friends, what wondrous love the Father has shown us that this table has been laid for us, the timid. Friends, the table of grace has been set not for those who most deserve it. It has been set for those who most need it. Hear again the gospel. Hear the good news. The wrong dinner guests cannot ruin this meal. Friends, the wrong dinner guests cannot ruin the meal that Jesus has laid out for us. In His overwhelming love and amazing grace, Jesus has invited to the table repentant traitors, turncoats, and timid. Who does Jesus invite to the celebration of the new covenant? People like you and like me. Those who come tonight unworthy, undeserving, confessing their treachery, who come, confess, and receive what they need. Grace, forgiveness, courage, new life. Friends, tonight we come like the Jews did at Passover to remember the Lord's mighty deliverance. We remember like the Jews did at Passover that our, we had two were in bitter captivity. We remember the salt of our tears, the labor of our wasted years, our bondage to slavery and death. And tonight we remembered that we were delivered. We were delivered by the broken body of the one who broke the bread that night. We were delivered by the poured out blood of the one who poured out the wine that night. So tonight, we're invited to approach the table repentantly, humbly, a table where turncoats and traitors and timid, men and women like you and like me, are invited to receive grace, to receive courage, and to be transformed. Friends, what stops you? What stops you from responding to his invitation and joining Jesus tonight at the feast? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this table that has been laid out for us. Not because we come as those deserving, but we come because of your grace. Lord, we come and we confess our need and we confess your goodness. Lord, receive us. Not because of our merit, but because of your amazing love. Give us grace. Give us courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the elders would come forward, for the serving of communion.
to prepare ourselves tonight for communion, we begin by confessing our sins. Friends, join me in the responsive part of the reading. Lord Jesus, like Judas, we have betrayed you. Lord. Like Peter, we have denied you. And like the other disciples, we have forsaken you. Yet you remain faithful to us unto death, even death on a cross. We plead for your forgiveness and mercy, and we ask that you strengthen us so that we do not turn aside, but follow you to the very end. For the final victory belongs to you. Amen. Amen. 